is seen in our culture. And one of the views that sticks out to me was individualism. That we are becoming a culture, a people that is very I-focused. Uh, we are obsessed with the iPhone, the iPad. Uh, my kids, uh, they even watch kids' iView. Uh, we are a people that is focused on I. Uh, even to the point, friends, when we share the gospel with others, the question is no longer whether the gospel is true or not. Whether Jesus died and rose again is irrelevant. Uh, the question that needs to be answered is, what can I, what can I get from the gospel? What do I receive if I acknowledge that Jesus died and rose again? Yeah, the gospel has never been, what can I receive from Christ? But what does Christ receive from the work that he himself has done? Uh, let me take us back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, which says, He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. Uh, what is that? What is Jesus' purpose and grace? Uh, his purpose is that through His work, he, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, would be worshipped and glorified. Uh, let me just give one example to highlight this. In the Gospel of John, one of the four biographies we have on Jesus, and written by the Apostle John, Jesus says this in his high priestly prayer from John 17. Let me read it for us. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted Him authority over all people, that He might give eternal life to all those you have given Him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The purpose that you and I have been called to, having been saved by Christ, having been given life, salvation, and hope, is that we may worship him and give him glory. Uh, last week, if you were here with us, we heard how Paul encouraged Timothy to continue with the calling that God gave him. And it was likewise an encouragement for us. Each of God's people have been called to a holy life. We are called to show how the gospel makes us different to those around us. Uh, but this holy calling is more than just how we live out the gospel. It also includes how we declare the gospel, how we make the gospel known. Our friends, the gospel must go out. The gospel, from the Greek word euangelion, means simply a good announcement. So first and foremost, the gospel is an announcement. It is a message to be declared. 
The message to be declared is the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, in whom we find a message of hope to the problem of sin. And here in our passage, Paul says to Timothy, he says to us, go and declare the gospel. And in this passage, Paul says three things concerning the gospel, and these are our three points. First, the gospel must be shared. Second, the gospel will bring hardships and reward. And third, the gospel is and has always been Christ's work. Let's get straight into that first point, friends. The gospel must be shared. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. Paul says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul reminds Timothy again of the grace God's people have been given. Uh, This grace is not just a singular act of Jesus dying on the cross, but the grace we have received is the ongoing work of Christ and how He continually works in the life of the believer, how He continues to intercede for them. And Jesus does this through the work of the Holy Spirit. Our Paul reminded us last week and that you and I have not received a spirit of fear. What have we received? We have received a spirit that gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Friends, it is therefore in His strength that we are able to go out. We are able to live out God's purposes. So with the strength of the Holy Spirit, we must share the gospel. The gospel is not just a message for Christians. It is a message to be shared with others. Uh, Here at Cornerstone, we have a number of growth groups. And in my growth group, as part of our study, as we look at the passage together, we discern what is the good news of our passage, but then we seek to go, how does this passage then apply to us? Then we also ask the question, how might we also use this passage, the truths of what we've looked at together, to either encourage our brother and sister in Christ, or alternatively, how might we use the truths that we have looked at to share with the non-Christian? Friends, hearing God's Word, hearing God's Word should never stop at us. As James in his letter said, do not merely listen to the Word and do so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We should never think to ourselves that what we have heard or read is just some useful information to us. Hearing God's Word, reading God's Word should encourage us to change. It should encourage us to make this message known. We need to be doers of the Word and not merely hearers. So let me ask, friends, as we hear God's Word, as we read God's Word, are we changing? And are we praying for change? Do you pray that your dependence on God would increase? Do you pray that God would help you, help us to turn away from our sin and to turn to Him? Do you pray that God would use you 
Use us to make the gospel known. The gospel never stops with us. Paul says to Timothy, share the gospel. Make it known. Verse 2, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul is saying the gospel is never to be just kept with you, kept with God's people. It is to be taught. It is to be made known. What Paul is saying to Timothy is a wonderful exhortation of discipleship. And I want to suggest that this exhortation is given to each of us. Our friends, to share the gospel is not just an exhortation to pastors or elders. It's an exhortation to each of God's people. That men, women, even children, every person in the church would be equipped to share the gospel, to make it known. Let me just give one illustration that may help to give some clarity to this. Some of you in the church are aware that Lauren's granny died earlier this year. And Lauren gave one of the eulogies as part of the service. In her eulogy, Lauren said warmly that one of the greatest gifts that her granny did was that she shared and taught her two, her two daughters the gospel. Daughters who embraced the gospel and ensured with their husbands that their children would know the name of Jesus. A sharing the gospel isn't just for our elders. It isn't just for pastors. It's given to all those whom Christ has called. It's a message for each of us to share. So friends, are we doing that? Are we doing that in our families? Are we doing that in the vocations that God has given us? Are we making the gospel known? And are we praying for opportunities to make the gospel known? Are we doing it in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families? Are we praying that the gospel will be made known? Remember, God's people do not do this work alone, friends. We do it in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So friends, the gospel must go out. The gospel must be shared. But Paul does say to Timothy, as you share this gospel, as you go and make it known, there will be difficulties. There will be challenges. But there will also be rewards. We come now to our second point. The gospel will bring hardships and reward. Verse 3 to 7, Paul gives us three metaphors of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And Paul is teaching Timothy three lessons of what it means to serve Jesus. The first lesson from the soldier is to serve Christ by being devoted to him. And Paul says this. Paul says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Our Paul says to Timothy, don't get lured away. Don't get caught up with the affairs of life. 
of all, there will be many distractions around you. There will be many distractions around us that will try and lead us away from Jesus. Uh, if you've ever read C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, uh, it's about a senior devil mentoring a, a junior devil. And in a nutshell, this senior devil, Screwtape, gives suggestions and mentoring to his nephew, Wormwood, of how he might distract his patient, how he might lure his patient away from embracing Christianity and following Jesus. At the Screwtape Letters ends with the premise that once a Christian embraces Christ, well, the devil has lost all hope of steering them away from Jesus. I want to say not true. For the devil will continue to distract. The devil will continue to tempt. He will continue to lure away the Christian from following Jesus. Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, in his first letter said this about the devil. Peter said, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter is saying that the devil is constantly looking for ways to tempt and lead the Christian away from following Jesus. Now, how might the devil do this? Well, the obvious is that the devil will distract the believer by letting them focus on the things of this world rather than Christ. However, I think the not-so-obvious distraction is failing to live out Christ's purposes. That the Christian can be reluctant to be a good soldier for Jesus. That we would fail to join in the work of sharing the gospel. I think sometimes, friends, we can be so afraid of sharing the gospel that we stop doing it. We are fearful of what others will say. We are fearful that we don't know enough about the issues of the day. We are fearful that we don't know enough Bible. That you and I can fall into the trap of cowardice rather than following our superior officer, Christ. So because of our fears, we stop engaging. Our fears distract us from serving Jesus. I know I've fallen into this trap. And I know I will fall into this trap again. And perhaps like me, you have fallen into this trap and you are aware that you will fall into this trap too. So let each of us be encouraged with the promise that Jesus has given us. That when we are afraid, that he has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but he has given us a spirit that gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We have received the Holy Spirit. He will help us to be bold. He will equip us and continue to equip us to make the gospel known. So if you're feeling afraid, depend on the Holy Spirit. Come to Him and ask Him for the strength that you need to go out, to be a faithful soldier in Christ. The Holy Spirit will help you to be bold. So let's be confident in Christ and serve him as a faithful soldier, knowing that he is first and foremost leading the charge 
and that Christ is working in us for our good. Uh, The second lesson is from the athlete. To serve Christ through perseverance marked by loyalty. Paul says this, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Uh, This year, we were able to have the Olympics. And to make it to the Olympics, it requires hard work. It will mean regimented training, strict diets, and there is no cutting corners. If you're caught cheating, you're out. The games in ancient Greece were similar, but the winner did not receive a gold medal. But Evergreen reads, the victor's crown. And no athlete was ever crowned unless they competed according to the rules. The order of the day was, no rules, no wreath. So Paul says to be a good soldier of Christ will require being like an athlete. He is saying that to be a good soldier will require discipline. It will mean walking down that narrow path which Jesus spoke about in Matthew 7. And this path will be hard. This path will be difficult. But you know what, friends? This path, though hard and difficult, leads to life. The narrow path is loyalty to Christ, walking in His ways rather than those of the world. And this path will be hard, but it leads to the victor's crown. Paul says this in this very letter to Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also all those who have longed for his appearing. Don't you look forward? Don't you look forward to receiving the victor's crown, friends? Paul says to each of us who follow Christ, who walk this narrow path, we will receive the victor's crown. Look forward to that day. Uh, the third lesson is then from the farmer. The one who serves Christ will share in Christ's harvest. Paul says, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. That the farmer who works in the field should share in the produce. It's the same with the soldier. The soldier who fights for Christ will share in the victory. Friends, if Christ has died for you, if he has raised you to life with him in his resurrection, then you are united to Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. And as the Christian lives out the calling that he has been given, Uh, There will be hardships, Uh, but there is also great reward. There is victory. Christ has won. And when he returns, he will claim his prize, an inheritance of nations redeemed and restored to the Father. God's people share in that prize of being redeemed and restored. The prize that we share in is being free from sin, It's being free from suffering and being in right relationship with God the Father. 
And remember what I said earlier? The gospel is the announcement of the work that Jesus has done, in whom we find a message of hope to the problem of sin. So when the race is fully over, when the Lord Jesus returns, the prize for all of God's people is a world free from sin, free from suffering, and being in right relationship with the Father. And don't you want that? Don't you look forward to that? I certainly do. The very thing humanity was created for, to be in relationship with God, we will have it once again at Christ's return. As we, God's people, live for Christ, fulfilling His purposes and living and declaring the gospel, we show that we are united to Him, that we are strengthened and we are strengthened and empowered by Him, by His Spirit. And friends, we will share in that reward. Our Old Testament reading came from Joshua chapter 1. The book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible, and it's about the conquest of Israel into the Promised Land. And in these verses, which Des read out for us, is that when we walk in His ways, God will be with us. There is no need to be afraid. We can be strong and courageous because we know that God is with us as we do His work. God is with us as we go and fulfill the command to make the gospel known. So Paul tells Timothy, he tells us, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. Because in Christ the victory has been won. There will be hardships, however the reward will be unbelievably worth it. Friends, Christ is on the winning team. If you know the victory has been won already, wouldn't you want to be part of that team? So join in. Join in suffering like a fellow soldier and live for Christ. We were never told that being a Christian would be easy, but we have been told that the rewards are worth it. And the third thing that Paul tells Timothy in our passage concerning the gospel is this. Point three, the gospel is and has always been Christ's work. Look at verse 8 to 13 with me. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. In this last section, Paul reminds Timothy that as the gospel goes out, Christ is the one who is ultimately leading the charge. Christ is first and foremost making the gospel known. He is at work in the gospel. He has always been at work in the gospel. The good news of what Jesus has done, it starts with him, that he conquered death from us. 
The gospel is that he is king and he reigns and rules. He is ushering in a kingdom and he is ushering a kingdom also at his return. Paul says, though he is in chains for the gospel, though he sits in a prison cell in Rome, the gospel is not chained. The gospel is going out. So despite what happens to God's people, whatever hardships come our way, whatever trials come before the Christian, the gospel will continue to go out and Christ will come back and usher in his kingdom. He will return. And you know what is also comforting, friends? Is that even when we stumble, even when we fail to live out the gospel, the Christian will have plenty of these moments. But if we belong to Jesus, he will continue to hold us until that final day. Paul says these wonderful words. Let me read them again. If we died with him we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That those who belong to Jesus Christ, those who are united to him in his death and his resurrection, will be forever his. That despite those times we fall, despite those times when we do wrong, Christ will remain faithful to us. If we are united to Jesus, then we can't lose our salvation because he can't disown himself. If we have been called by him, then we belong to him and he will hold us tight in his hands until the very end. This then is additional comfort to us that despite our failings, Christ will continue to be with us. And it's also a demonstration of his power and his glory and how he will use his people despite their failings for his purpose, for his glory. That Christ with the Father and the Holy Spirit would be worshipped and glorified. I want to end with this. Let me end with this. Christ has chosen who are his, but he has also chosen the means in which the gospel will go out. And friends, we are told that he will use us. He will use us, his instruments, in making the gospel known. Our Luke wrote in the book of Acts concerning Paul, and Luke said this. One night... The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack you and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. God said to Paul, there are many elect in this city and I'm going to use you, Paul, to make the gospel known to them. And the same is with us, friends. God has many elect in this city and he is going to use us 
to make the gospel known. He is going to use us to make the gospel known despite our foolishness, despite how we stumble, despite how we trip. He is going to use us. R.C. Sproul said this, God could call his saints audibly from heaven. He could call God's people audibly from heaven. In the final analysis, he doesn't need the preacher or the missionary. Yet he has been pleased to choose the foolishness of preaching as the means through which he saves the world. God not only ordains the means, but also the means to those end. In other words, God is going to use his people. He's going to use you. He's going to use me to bring about his plans. And he is pleased to use us. He wants to use us. For through us, his name is lifted up and glorified. And he will use our foolishness for his glory. My friends, this should give us great comfort that when we go out and declare the gospel message that God is with us, the very fact that he has ordained his people but also the process in which his people will come to him should give us great comfort to be bold and to go out. And we should depend on him as we go out to make the gospel known. Our Christ did not save his people that we can get something out of him. Christ saved his people so that he, with the Father and the Spirit, would be glorified in the saving, sanctifying work of the gospel. Our God will bring forth a nation of people restored to himself for his praise and his worship. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our Father, we thank you and give you thanks and praise for how you saved us, your people. Have you redeemed and restored us? through the work that Jesus has done, how he died for our sins on the cross, how he conquered death for us, how he rose from the dead, and Lord, how we are united to him. Our Father, uh, this good news is not just for us. It's, it's good news that needs to be shared. So Father, we pray by your Spirit, help us to be bold for you. Help us to make your gospel known. Help us to do this in our families, in our vocations, in the roles that you've given us. Help us to do this amongst friends and family. Help us to be bold for you, Lord. And help us to trust and depend on you, knowing that first and foremost, Christ is leading this charge. Help us to be faithful soldiers for your glory and for your worship. Amen. Thanks, musicians. Please stand for our last song. Oh
That draws to a close our time together today. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, please uh, join us for a cup of coffee afterwards. And if you're a regular here at Cornerstone, please uh, make yourself known to somebody you haven't spoken before or to one of our visitors. And now go with this blessing. Now may the God of peace, who, brought, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for an ever, ever and ever. Amen.